we missed last week, but we didn't miss last week, Janet Anscombe. There was kind of very little of new worth to bring to our adoring public of 64 or 129 or however many people are listening to us. Oh, I have a phone to pick with you, by the way, on air. Um, Welcome, everyone, to Canary Cast. My name is Cleo O'Flynn. I'm down in Adeche and... And I'm Janet Anscombe, up in the mountains. So I was... I was having coffee with a very good friend of mine, Deirdre, if she's listening. And there she goes. And she starts waxing lyrical about how wonderful you are on our Canary Casts and how she really likes to listen to you because you always give the information she needs and you have such an authoritative way of speaking. And um, your voice is excellent for the podcast. And then she says, oh, you're good too. But (laughs) I thought, hang on a minute. Maybe it's that Irish thing. I'm not supposed to care. (laughs) <laughs> well thank you very thank you very much and um I, i'll accept the compliment but i i too think cleo is very good and equally uh, see good. i was just looking for that compliment thank you janet you saved yourself <laughs> <laughs> anyway listen as usual anyone who's listening we hope that what we do bring is a interesting b informative c when we try to be funny slightly amusing um, and D, all of the above, I suppose. Absolutely. And hopefully also give a bit of a feeling to people who just love the place and just want a, a bit of a hook. Maybe they aren't here right now and would like, but would like to be. Mm-hmm. And just feel that they are joining us around a virtual table with a cup of coffee and joining in a chat about a place that we like a sort of sort of women's hour I suppose or women's half hour anyway. yeah but men are more than welcome too men are more than welcome and frequently listen I understand yes indeed all right well let us we're going to run through a few things I might even let my rant self off the leash for a minute um, <clears throat> but um <laughs> let's talk about La Palma for a second because um it is something that people are very interested in, Janet, what's going on there. And in fact, about 10 days ago, there was one flight cancellation. Aer Lingus cancelled the flight from Dublin to Tenerife, I think out of a sense of excess precaution uh, because they were worried about ash in, in engines or something like that. But first of all, in general, tourism is not being affected. So no, for, on, in terms of the wider picture. Now let's talk about dogs because this story gained huge international traction and we let people know what happened if they're not quite sure what happened to the dogs who were trapped in a, in a reservoir surrounded by lava and also just the latest in terms of lava flows and population evacuations. So where should we start? I think we'll start with the dogs, you know, because everybody was so very concerned and there was um, an entirely understandable but unfortunate misunderstanding when they were rescued because people started saying, well, I'm sure they, those pictures don't look like the ones of the ones that were in there. But of course, when you try to illustrate a story, you often use a picture that isn't a genuine one. You, you, you're just trying to illustrate something and people get hold of the wrong end of the stick and then naturally suspicious about what they read online. And that's a very healthy place to be. Yeah. to be suspicious about what you read online and need to double check it. So there was a bit of confusion, but the root story was that, as we all know, and as we all deplore, 
there is a, a sighthound called a podenko here that is routinely used for hunting rabbits. I've had a podenko cross as a pet and they are amazing, wonderful, gentle, as long as you're not a rabbit, gentle, intelligent, <laughs> funny dogs. And they have opinions and brains. And I would classify them as a breed that has the intelligence of a toddler. I mean, they are clever. They're, I mean, they would be very, very, very similar to what people in the UK might know as a lurcher. Yes, they are, if you like, a, a big whippet. They are gentle. Or a small greyhound. Kind, yeah, smallish greyhound. Um, they're fabulous dogs. And hunters they are lovely. Use them here, and hunters use them and then abuse them. Because outside of the hunting season, they often just turn them loose. Mm, they dump they them up the mountains. And they get what's called heartworm. Um, because they're not medically treated and they're not wormed properly. So they get a heartworm, which causes them to die young. And they are one of the worst treated species on this island, I think. And I mm. adore them. And so do many other people. Yeah, yeah. And three or four of these dogs, or a handful of these dogs, were in their usual condition of just being loose, it seems, and took refuge from the colada, the lava stream, that came down to Todoke. Now we all saw the picture of the lava stream coming through Todoke and it stopped at the doors of the church and then it finally overtook the church. In Todoke was a, a water tank, one, plenty of them, but this particular water tank was where the dogs took refuge. It was obviously empty. Mm -hmm. And people could see them there and there was a, a local outdoors activities guide who had a drone and he was dropping food and water in for them. <clears throat> so the dogs got used to the idea of a drone bringing water and there was a lot of talk about rescuing them. And unbelievably, people, some people were saying, well, it mightn't be legal to rescue them, you know, because- To have a license, because, yeah, exactly. But of a license for the drone. And you think, not now, you know? Yeah, the rules are important and everybody wants to see people behaving in a civil and civilized and legal fashion, but pick your time, read the room. There are dogs in this tank and nobody gives a damn whether it's legal to use a drone to feed them. Just get them food and get them out. <clears throat> in the end, they were rescued. Nobody knows how or by whom. All we know is that a company that came down from Galicia in the far north of Spain with a cargo drone was going to lift them out in a sort of netting. Mm -hmm. I imagine well, we don't know how they were going to persuade them to get into the netting yet. No, I imagine food or something in the netting. I, I don't know. But everyone was wondering how this would actually work in practice. But in the end, on the morning, they went to fly over to get the dogs out. There were no dogs. They were gone. They were gone. And they have identified footprints around the tank in the oh. lava that is now cool enough to walk on. And so they know those dogs have been got out. One can presume it wasn't the owner because the dogs are now photographed, videoed, safe mm. in a foster home, confirmed to be feeding, drinking water. Yeah, they left one yeah. clue, though, a large sheet with writing on it, which I loved. I saying, love it as well. It was, yeah, go on, please. I mean, if I'm right, it was saying, don't worry, the dogs are safe, the A team. Yeah, rescued by. The A-team, nobody knows who the A-team are. Are they activists? Are they 
locals. Are they this guy with the drone who knew that he had to be a bit careful because there were idiots out there who wanted to take him to court for trying to save the dog's lives. Mm. And it, of course, could be the police themselves because the police have said absolutely categorically, oh, they must have got out by themselves. Yeah. Can't uh, see, you know, how, but they must have done it because they're not there this morning and, you know, the police know full well that somebody got them out and the police are letting them know. I'm sure there were there were very kind blind eyes turned. Absolutely. And I wonder if it wasn't the police themselves. Well, I mean, the other the other rumor I heard was that they would have had to have had inside help in a sense of somebody who would know back routes, uh, small paths, even around the lava, ways to get up to that water tank to get them out. So a combination perhaps of police helping a local person who knew how to get the dogs out. The, the end result is they're safe. Nobody is actively trying to find who actually got them out because they don't care. They care that the dogs are safe. For me, the icing on the cake is that they are in a foster home and they will be rehomed and they won't be going back to the environment in which they were allowed to roam and be caught out in that right. tank in the first place. Somebody has lost their dogs. Well, somebody might have taken better care of their dogs yeah. in the first place. And, and I just liked the way that nobody is really pretending to even look for who might have rescued them, uh, as opposed to the group of four idiotic Brits who jumped all the security fences and even breached the maritime exclusion zone so they could get a selfie of themselves as near to the volcano as possible. And they have been now identified. They are four British people. I don't know if they live in Tenerife or if they're on holidays here, but apparently the police are talking to them. That police also hit social networks yeah. last week. Yes, it did. Police have said that they are resident in Tenerife. Well, they live in Tenerife, whether legally is, is irrelevant, isn't it? They live in Tenerife. It is not, they weren't alone. They were with a group of others and they were clearly some sort of outing for a bodybuilding club or something. That's the impression I get from what the police are saying. But um, yeah, four of them were, I've been told English, but British, certainly. Um, in the police's mind here, there's very little distinction between English and British now. So I, I mean, whether they were English or British, I don't know. And yeah, four of them together with others of another nationality or other nationalities just Going on a, you know, a selfie holiday. What really gets up my nose? I'm, I'm not a goody two-shoes, but there are people watching their houses go up in flames, being mm. consumed by lava. And these wankers decide they're going to go into an area that those poor people can't even go themselves. Yeah, yeah. And there are emergency services putting their own lives at risk, taking all the safety precautions they need to so they can go in and rescue animals and help Absolutely. people, you know, evacuate their homes and keep the Absolutely. areas safe. And they're relying on the goodwill of the public. So if these four people, if anything had happened to them and they were pulling emergency services away from doing something that was of vital importance to the community, um, how stupid would they feel? Well, they probably haven't got the brain to feel stupid, but they bloody well should. And it's absolutely disgraceful and it's embarrassing. It's mortifying as a British person to see anyone named as a Brit doing something like that. I mean, it's absolutely the most brutish, idiotic behaviour you yeah. can imagine. And it is the most unconscionable. I, I just can't 
imagine what I was like if I could see my house being consumed as people have in mm -hmm. or in the area of La Laguna and then watching these idiots scrambling about on what used to be my roof taking pictures of themselves yeah and it's all over the it was all over the the local and national press last week Absolutely. or alongside the guys who rescued the dog so there you go it takes all sorts um you've had your rant I'm going to have a little rant <laughs> yes. my uh I, you know we're back to this I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago the the different ways that different countries are dealing with with the ongoing issue of COVID um, with infection rates. And there have been swings and roundabouts and, you know, in, in how infections have gone in the last two years. I have a kid who's now studying in the UK because the course she wants to study is not available here in Tenerife. So she's with the host family. She was fully vaccinated before she left. If she was here, she would still be in school, but she's not because she now has COVID. And I, I firmly believe she has COVID because there are no restrictions on freedom of movement, on social distancing, on mask wearing in any part of the UK or of England, let me say, because I know that's not fair. It is England because in Scotland and Wales and in Northern Ireland, there are still requirements to wear masks in certain public places. Um, but in England, right, there are true. none. And I'm annoyed and she's annoyed. Because she's, be she's missing, you know, 10 days of school of a course that she left her home country to go and live in another country to pursue because it's something that she sincerely and passionately wants to do. Um, and, you know, I'm delighted that the course is available to her and she got a place on the course. But I'm very annoyed that she, she has COVID. She's not very ill, luckily, because she's been vaccinated. But... <laughs> If she was here, I mean, the, the average rate at the moment for the Canary Islands is about 40 per day, 40 infections per day. In the UK at the moment, they're saying one in 50 in England are currently infected. And I heard the Chancellor of the Exchequer say yesterday that the data still does not indicate the need to move towards any form of restrictions being reintroduced. And I'm listening to the radio, to Radio 4, BBC, thinking, when will it? When will the data actually indicate that some form of restrictions are needed? I mean, it's not just me. I've heard countless people say they feel safest here, that when they come on yes, holidays no, no. from England or from the UK, they feel safer here in Tenerife than they do back in their home country because we have an accepted, across the board, accepted level of restrictions. And it is very simply like it's mask wearing and social distancing. You know, throughout the the Adeche, um, fiestas which finished last week at the concerts we had um, seating was arranged and was arranged at a distance so you know even if you were in a family your seats were arranged together but then there were two meters from the next family group and two meters from a next individual uh, and even at a press conference I was at last week again seats are measured and the distance is very clearly marked between and everyone is wearing a mask at a press conference or at a concert where there are other people present and people just are accepting these restrictions because our figures and our stats have dropped very much so. And we're now in level one in Tenerife, as are all the Canary Islands, I believe. We're all, yeah. We're exactly. all in level one because people have just, people have put up with the restrictions. Schools haven't closed. Uh, businesses haven't closed. People are back at work. 
the, you can now pay cash on a bus. You can go to the beach. You can go to a shopping centre. You just stick to the rules. Is it that difficult? Rant over for now. But you are right. I, I have known over the last month, I suppose, four people go to the UK. And each one of them has said they have never felt so unsafe. I mean, they've just felt impelled <clears throat> the minute they left Tenerife South Airport. They felt imperiled by being among other Brits who just didn't seem to understand what was required. And in fact, I was reading an article only yesterday in, in, a, in a newspaper that wondered whether the policy actually in the UK was to pretend it was all over. Because yes, there was I think no I might other, have read that. You know, there was no other conceivable explanation for the authorities currently saying, well, we're not going to enforce masks. We can be packed together without any distancing. We don't need a plan B, never mind a plan C, even while every expert in the NHS and SAGE and all scientists and virologists and immunologists and medical people are saying, for God's sake, what will it take? You have the world's worst at the moment. What the hell are you talking about? You've got thousands of people. We think, we think now the five deaths is a lot a day. There we, I can't remember deaths. when we had five deaths a day here. You know, and all of a sudden that is unacceptable. People in the UK or in England anyway seem to be groomed, being groomed. I'll put it that strongly. They seem to be being groomed by their own government to accept a level of deaths that amount to my mind to a cult. There is absolutely no way this would normally be accepted unless people had been conditioned. And this is, I think, what is happening right now. All the experts, anyone with a voice is saying, what the hell will it take? Mm -hmm. Because you've got Christmas coming, you've got November. But Next week. yeah, I mean, again, you it know, seems like last year that flu season is coming upon us. And all they're saying what is instead, we're encouraging people to get their booster jabs. But you know, here, people will here, still get I, infected. Absolutely. Here, at least, they are saying that, I mean, we now have the flu season um, campaign for flu jabs, and they announced last week that the over 70s in the Canary Islands will now be able to have their booster jab, assuming they've had the required dosage of the COVID injection. And the uh, six months has passed. And six months has passed since the second or the first of the Janssen. Then they will they can have their booster jab and they can have that as part of the flu vaccination thing. Mm. So they go in for a flu jab and they have the booster jab. Mm. Anyone over 70 and they are considering doing it with the over 65, but they haven't confirmed that here yet. And that feels it feels like a, a safe system, yeah. doesn't it? As you say, when you go somewhere, people are wearing masks, people are distanced, there are clear rules and they're clearly enforced and everybody knows what to do and everybody is doing it and mm. we've been vaccinated it feels like a completely different system mm. in england everybody feels to me chaotic and when you hear about people the surging anger and abuse that's going on so that they're even discussing how to avoid mps being murdered now and I also believe there are now protests, anti-vaccination protests outside schools, so that parents might be discouraged from bringing their children to be vaccinated. I'm thinking, 
no country has got it completely right. Like, let's, I'm not an, a complete fool. And I mean, I, I, I accept that Spain didn't get it right. Spain made mistakes. Ireland made mistakes. The UK made mistakes. But surely any sensible government, local, national or regional, learns by their mistakes and changes and adapts to, to, to the current situation. I mean, that's why, for instance, every Thursday, not every three, but every Thursday in Tenerife, there has been this meeting of the cabinet to decide what level every island is at and what restrictions would be imposed. And I mean, it became something that we waited for the five o'clock announcement on a Thursday to exactly. see where we were. Yes. And people right. would say, OK, we are going out for dinner or we're not going out for dinner. We are going to have people round for, for supper or not, because these are the restrictions. We know and I know that everyone bent the rules slightly people did because people are human and but in general there was an acknowledgement that the rules were there for a reason i know there are some people who'll be listening to this who will disagree who probably think that we're both idiots for having gone along with it but i think both of us both of us firmly believe that the rules are there for the right reasons well both of us have made our 60s now yeah by not being complete idiots with our lives. So I, I, I'll take the brickbats from someone who still hasn't made perhaps 20 <laughs> and think, well, I, I've, made, I've made it three times further along in life. And mm. therefore, presumably, I haven't been doing everything completely idiotically. Mm. I mean, I it's just my judgment. <laughs> it struck me, you know, and this was me in a ranty walk home or one of my get, get my anger out of me swims, you know. The people who, who give out about medical experts, scientists, um, who say that they are forcing them to take certain actions or take, take certain vaccines and don't believe the science. I wonder if they got sick, would they want to be cared for by those very same people that they don't believe in? We don't need to wonder, Clear. We've seen evidence of it. The people who have been on television, on the news, begging others to get the vaccine because they were convinced they didn't need it, that a good, strong immune system was all you needed or horse-worming tablets would do the trick or whatever, and then dying in hospital, begging people, please, I was in that situation, please get vaccinated, don't make the same mistake. We've seen the evidence. We don't need to wonder whether they'd want the medical treatment. They have been filmed wishing. Yeah. They'd not well, they've asked really themselves to be filmed. They've, you know, exactly. I know. Anyway. We, we know. We know. All right. Listen, we, we shall leave it there because I think you and I could both just work ourselves up into even more of, of an angry state. Well, uh, I mean, it, it, it's desperation, isn't it? Because you don't understand how people can be so willfully stupid. But I think what it is, is people have just come to the end of their tether. That wherever you look, there are pressures and stresses. And one thing we can do for ourselves as people is not add to those. Now, there are some countries that have gone out of their way to add to the stresses and pressures that are being felt globally. And whether that is by voting for Brexit or voting for Trump or whatever, we can say that America and the UK, particularly England perhaps, have added to their own stresses mm. because we've all got the same problems, but some are experiencing the effects worse than others. Yeah. And that is unfortunate. And I think we have to recognize that people are affected by this and need support. It is tragic when you can see with your own eyes in places like England that 
that support is just not available and people are being pushed over the edge and I don't know what the answer is to that uh, my own answer is to retreat up a mountain <laughs> I, I made that decision 20 years ago I, yeah. I you know I don't know what other people's answers are we all have to find our own answer but that article I was reading yesterday really did suggest that we are in some degree of trouble because everybody is living beyond their ability to cope with this now well, let's see I mean I I just hope that the Christmas can be better than than last year's Christmas in terms of seeing friends and family but I'm not I'm not booking flights. <laughs> no, I, I anyway. think at least last Christmas gave people a bit of an insight into the fact that Christmas can be different and we can at least oh, all of course survive we can. that. Yeah. And yeah. although it might have been horrendous last year, I think if it is the same this year, it won't feel quite so bad because at least we've done it once, we know we can get through it. Yeah. It, it is a way of perhaps redefining what Christmas means. It has become a bit gaudy, hasn't it? And a little bit... Just a tad. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a smidgen. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, and with Halloween coming up, of course. By the way, Halloween is coming up. Just to remind people, next Monday is a yes. bank holiday here. Yes. The 1st of November. So banks, schools, public offices will be closed. Mm, I, we will probably podcast next Tuesday then. Just if people are interested. Um, let's move on very quickly. Um, well, we can move on very slowly if we like, I don't mind. <laughs> um, this week's English Time, which is the radio program I have on Radio Suradeje on Thursdays from 1 to 2, I'm going to run an interview, which I did last Thursday with a very interesting lady. She is the newish Consular Regional Director for Europe South for, for Britain, for the United Kingdom, and her name is Fleur Wilson. And um, she did an, an interview with me. I brought up a couple of things. In fact, you and I spoke before I did the interview because I just wanted to kind of gather together the list of what most British people resident here are um, concerned about in terms of yeah. the changes that Brexit have brought, their status, pensions, etc. But one of the things that I did talk for about, and I'm going to play a clip of it in a second, but I would like you to kind of introduce the clip um, because you have got more queries than I have about this. And this is to do with driving licenses. So what are people worried about regarding driving licenses, Janet? It's a very simple worry. Um, once the UK left the EU and all the transition periods and, you know, uh, periods covered by the withdrawal agreement, once that was all over and, and Brexit was done, then obviously their driving licences, which had been EU issued, I mean, they had UK on them, but they were the European pink driving licence card that we all have. Mm -hmm. Ours just has an E on it for Spain rather than UK. Indeed. Um, they had to... Um, they had to be exchanged once people came here to live. This is not an issue for anybody who's visiting. Let's just clear that up. It's, okay. not, a, it's not an issue. It is for people who come here to live. And once you've been here for six months, you have to exchange your license. Now, that is the standard rule. It applies to everybody. The problem is that the process for that exchange. And what has happened up till Brexit is that Brits who came here to live, if they were following the law, would hand in their license and they'd use someone like um, Diana McGowan before she retired or Motorworld who are 
um, now the one-stop problem shop themselves. They've taken over that business. They do all, used to do all the paperwork and they still do, but people could just hand in their license, checks would be made with the DVLA in the UK and an exchange would be simple. It would just be one exchange for another. And if you went back to the UK, you could just get your old UK license back by handing in the Spanish one. Very simple process. Brexit has changed all that because it's not a case of one EU license being exchanged for another anymore. So now a British national who comes over here to live, who wants to drive, can't use their British license after six months, but now to exchange has to take a Spanish driving test. And many people find that understandably extremely daunting. And are there deadlines involved here in terms of has there yes, been there a are. date up to which you could simply exchange it? Yeah, well, this is something the flow will be able to explain as well. But if people wanted to exchange their license without taking the test, they had to register that intention with Traffico before the end of last year. And All if right. they did that, then they can exchange their license still. But if they did not register that, then that intent to exchange their license with, and they now need to get on with it, but if they didn't even register the intent, then they're gonna to have to take a test. Now, as Flo will explain, um, the government in the UK says it is talking all the time to Spain about this. They've been doing this for a long time. And although they say it's top of their list, we all know that top of the list now is Northern Ireland Protocol and HGV licenses and temporary visas. There are all sorts of issues that are currently going on. This is the top of the list for the sort of issue that concerns British nationals living in Spain, which means it's not top of the list for the government. For the Spain. national government. Well, let's have a quick listen to what, this is about 30 seconds of Fleur okay. responding to that particular issue. So we are still negotiating on that um, and we're uh, working really closely with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs so it's something that the Embassy is actively very engaged in. Okay. Um, there is no resolution at the moment. Um, we will update our all advice as soon as there is anything. Um, but what I would say to people is to keep on reading the guidance online. Um, I can't sort of uh, state that often enough because every time we have something new we will share that with people. But people should rest assured that driving licences is right at the top of our of our list of things we're, we're talking to the Spanish government about. Okay, so that was Fleur. Um, yeah. So, I mean, she's saying pretty much what you did. We are still talking. Does that offer some hope to people who didn't register their intent at the end of last year um, that, you know, there still might be a resolution that will not involve them taking a, a test? Well it, well, it sort of offers some hope, yeah, but the simple fact is that we are still talking simply means we are still talking and they've been talking for six years without resolving this and British drivers have six months in which to change to drive legally. So do we know if people have been stopped, Janet? I mean, have, have we got on the ground tales of people who haven't changed their licenses, have been here for longer than six months and are now facing police stops? Yes, but only in the same sense as I've always heard of them previously. And of course, the question is what happens now? Because there's always been a bit of an issue with regard to points on licenses. Because here you start off with a bundle of points, and points are deducted. Exactly. If you get, um, if you get sanctioned. 
and in the UK you get points added on and, mm. and now they can't even check with the DVLA properly so I, I don't know what's going to happen with okay. that and this to me is a whole area of complications without driving license about driving licenses that I think are self-evidently causing problems in resolving and one can only stress that to be legal a British driver who comes to live in Tenerife must exchange their license within six months. Okay, so listen guys, if Back you have Lord. just come here, exchange your license. Find out about okay. it now rather than waiting okay. to think it's going to get don't solved. Wait six, don't wait six months on the promise of, in the hope that ongoing talks about driving licenses, bilateral between UK and Spain, will resolve the problem and allow you to exchange your license without taking a test within six months. I very much doubt that is going to happen. Right, Janet, to end, <laughs> to, no, I mean, that's a bit, it's just, it's a very, very salient warning for people because it's one of those that you might put on the long finger thing, it'll get resolved and then you'll end up with a fine or with something yes, more exactly. serious. Exactly. To end with, I need to know if I need to buy a winter hat or a summer hat <laughs> or a spring hat or just buy a bunch of flowers. I don't know what, I'm assuming I'm invited. <laughs> I think you might be. I think you might be. <laughs> All right. We are talking, D Dame Janet Anscombe, about oh. your investiture, which hopefully is coming up soon. Tell us a little bit yeah. about it. Give us the inside track. Okay. Well, it's not a dame. I'm not a dame commander. Um, but my MBE has to be um, handed over. And that is a formal um, event, as it would be. In fact, it was rather amusing because. About a fortnight, three weeks ago, I had a, a an email from St. James's Palace from... Oh, not everyone can say that. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, it was from the heraldry office, I think, in, in St. James's Palace. And they wanted to know um, which of the slots I wanted to go to Windsor Castle. And I said, hang on a minute, I, I'm not going to Windsor Castle. I, I understood that it was being done here. And in fact... I understood that the insignia, this is the, the ribbon and the medal that depends from it. I understood that was already in Madrid. And they messaged me back about two, three days later and said, oh, sorry, our mistake. Yes, indeed, they are. Okay. So we have known for some time that the insignia are in Madrid with the ambassador who is going to be coming down um, with his wife and with Charmaine, who is the uh, Charmaine Abouin, who is the consul for the whole of the British consul for the whole of southern Spain, the Balearics and the Canaries. Excellent. And she's going to come down and the consular team from Santa Cruz is going to be there, as are you. All right. Um, yes, okay, I accept. <laughs> <laughs> Which wait. I understand now is going to be sometime in February. Super. Okay, well, that's a nice time of year as well. So more of a yeah. spring hat then. I think a spring, I think flowers in your hair is a rather nice Okay, idea. low heels, you know, summer dress. Okay, I can already, I'm designing my work even so. as we speak. I think spring. <laughs> Janet, yeah. we're all think looking Valentine's. forward to this so much. Think Valentine's. Think Valentine's. <laughs> You're going to fall in love with your medal. Well, I presume you will also bring your husband. So <laughs> fair yeah. enough. I think I might. You think I might? I think he might. He might get a pass. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we when we know more, and I will certainly 
certain the Adeche Council will be taking photographs because we're very proud. I mean, speaking with my Adeche hat on, we're very proud and hope we played a tiny little part as well in this because uh, we love Thank having you. you as part of our broadcasts and podcasts and events. So congratulations. Well, I mean, Adeche has a very, very special part place in my heart because although I now live in Gidizora and I think I'll always be now but Adeche was where we came when we first moved to Tenerife. We lived there for four years and focus has been a major part of um, what I've done even though even before it was focus group you know mm-hmm. as a, an official association it was the sort of stuff I was doing. Um, so I think it's highly appropriate that Adeche has a part in the investiture. I think Chris is going to be there as well. Chris Elkington from Canarian Weekly. Brilliant, and Oasis FM. He does a lot of the same sort of thing. Okay, I know he does it as a newspaper man, but he does the same sort of work and I would like him to be there as well. Super, and um, we will cover it. And you've mentioned focus group. That is the group that Janet and I and a few others co-founded, which, you know, has been slightly on pause because of COVID and everything. Yeah. But I was only thinking we must, it, it, the group tries to reflect, represent and assist non-Spanish speaking people who live mainly in Adeje because it's based in Adeje. And we also organize events and outings and we must reactivate the group, I think, very I soon. I think so, we've done, we've done, Two in particular I loved. We went to the um, Monte Dorca. Monte Dorca, the award-winning cheese. Oh, I loved that. That was fantastic to see those kids jumping about all over the goats and the tractors and everything and the bales of straw and to see a real farm environment, a dairy environment, and then to get to taste the cheese cheese. that they made there. That was fabulous. But the other thing was the airport visit. Those birds. The falconry. I loved that. Well, I think we, we, we can probably repeat them and we also have a kind of a long-standing link to go and visit the Aponte wine bodega also in Adeje. So I think that might be one. And I, I, I love be. doing the, the little guided tours of the old town of Adeje too. I think that's quite fascinating. Uh, you got me with the bodega though. I'll be <laughs> <laughs> All right, we just stop there. And we'll have to order a bus for that one, I think, just for Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Janet and her MB. Listen, we will talk next week. Not quite sure when. So don't forget, as we said, it's a bank holiday on Monday. Happy Halloween. Happy haunting, everybody. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed our little podcast. We've had rants and laughs and a bit of glamour. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's. The 1st of November soon, and yes, Halloween, but it's also all things. Todo lo santo. It's a major sort of turning of the year, isn't it, into the dark yeah. half. And I, I find that a very sort of meaningful thing that when, when we are told the, the membrane between this world and the next is rather um, thinner than usual. So we, we feel our lost loved ones near us. And... I, I love this time of the year. It feels comfortable and cosy and autumnal and warm. Can I just say before we go, Clee, um, the president of La Palma the other day, um, he, he called on the Palmeros and Palmeras not to give up hope because it's over a month now. And if anything, the eruption seems to be ranking up even, even more, gearing up for 
we don't know what. And he called on them not to give up hope. You know, animal is is the word, isn't it? It is. And they are already working on the futures. So I think I would like to end with that one word for anybody who's listening from La Palma. We are thinking of you and we do, we don't suffer with you, but we do feel for you. Very so, much so. Animal, La Palma. Animal, La Palma.